Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The New Statesman. You're listening to audio long reads from The New Statesman. The best of our reported features and essays read aloud. In this episode, The Making and Meaning of Giorgia Meloni, written and read by Jeremy Cliff. This article was originally published in The New Statesman magazine and online on the 21st of September 2022. As dusk fell in Turin's Piazza Carlo Alberto on the 13th of September, at least 500 supporters of Giorgio Meloni were chanting and waving Italy's green-white-red tricolore and flags bearing a flame in the same colours. Since 1945, this flame has been a symbol of the political heirs to Italian fascism. And today it stands for Meloni's post-fascist party Fratelli d'Italia, Brothers of Italy. In every one of the narrow streets feeding into the square stood hordes of peak-capped carabinieri and officers of the civilian polizia, who gathered quickly around one young woman when she unfurled a rainbow LGBT flag. Rows of police motorbikes and vans were parked, ready, in the surrounding alleys. I've covered political rallies all over Europe in the past years, but none as heavily policed and secured as this one. Giorgia Meloni marched onto the stage short and slight, but easily visible across the square thanks to her platform trainers, a bright green satin blazer and blonde hair. She started by joking to the crowd that she no longer bothered with the newspapers. I talk to you, she said to cheers. I go out into the street and talk to you and the left can say whatever it wants. The cheers mounted as she became more severe, her voice harsher, lambasting the hatred of left-wing leaders for daring to criticise her in the international media. Then came the crescendo. I have never done an interview in the international press in which I spoke ill of Italy because, and here she raised her voice to a yell, I do not speak ill of Italy outside of our national borders. That turned out to be the pattern for the rest of the speech. Each section began with a chatty confessional moment, delivered in her distinctive Roman accent, with sarcastic humour, and seemingly common-sense aphorisms. You can't abolish poverty by decree. It's not solidarity if you let in people with no right to be here. Or, in a section railing against progressive education methods, 
one doesn't equal one. Then Maloney's voice would build, her words speeding up, staccato, her small figure stalking the stage, blazer flapping as she gesticulated, before she would turn to the crowd and bellow a concluding point. In one such segment, she ended on the case for centralised Italian political power under a fully presidential system. With presidentialism, she said, what's said in the square is freed from what is done in the parliamentary building. By the end, it was dark in Turin. The imposing edifices on either side of the square were dramatically illuminated. The 19th century facades of the Palazzo Carignano and the Biblioteca Nazionale Universitaria and the bronze equestrian monument to the Risorgimento hero, King Carlo Alberto. The whole scene assumed an operatic character, as Meloni proclaimed, Viva Torino! Viva Fratelli d'Italia! Viva l'Italia! There followed a rendition of the national anthem, beginning with the very line that gave Meloni's party its name, Fratelli d'Italia. Founded only in 2012, Brothers of Italy took just under 2% of the vote at Italy's 2013 election, and only scraped past 4% in 2018. Maloney started out as an awkward outsider, but her rise has been remarkable. Italy's political scene has long been dominated by posturing macho men from the country's northern economic heartlands. Silvio Berlusconi and Matteo Salvini from Lombardy, Matteo Renzi from Tuscany, Beppe Grillo from Liguria. By contrast, she is a woman who speaks Romanaccio, a derogatory term for the Roman accent, and who grew up in the working-class Garbatella district of the Italian capital. She long attracted derision. One snooty commentator for the centre-left La Repubblica newspaper once called her trashy. But she's made a virtue of her roots, embracing them by developing the persona of Georgia a brassy, sardonic and confident product of Garbatella who pulled herself up in the world. Her refrain, I am Georgia, I'm a woman, I'm a mother, I'm a Christian, has become so recognisable in Italian politics that it has inspired an array of raps and other musical parodies. The reinvention had paid off by the time of the 2022 election. In the final polls before the pre-election perda, conducted up to and including the 9th of September, Brothers of Italy were in first place, on just under 25%. Maloney's steely gaze beamed out from billboards, screens, posters and leaflets across Italy under the slogan Pronti a risolevare l'Italia, or, to put it only slightly idiomatically, ready to make Italy great again. In the week running up to the election, on Sunday the 25th of September, Giorgia was widely expected to become Italy's first female prime minister. Europe, meanwhile, was watching nervously. The district of Garbatella was founded in the 1920s and populated primarily by Romans who had been cleared out of old central areas to make space for Benito Mussolini's bombastic new monuments and avenues. In the 1950s and 1960s, it epitomised the true Rome, working class, brash and maternal, the Rome often depicted in the films of Cinecittà directors such as Federico Fellini, Pierpaolo Pasolini and Lucchino Visconti. This was the Italy of the post-war economic boom, politically dominated by the Christian Democrat Party from 1946 to 1994. 
but also marked by the main opposition force, the Italian Communist Party, which permeated the civic life of Garbatella. These were decades of class-based ideological politics that reached deep into local neighbourhoods, whether thanks to the Catholic Church and business organisations, in the case of the Christian Democrats, or through trade unions and events such as the annual Festa della Unità, in the case of the Communists. Born in January 1977, Meloni grew up in a family dominated by her mother and grandmother. Her father walked out when she was 11. At the age of 15, she recalls in her 2021 autobiography, she decided, by pure instinct, to join the Garbatella branch of the neo-fascist Movimento Sociale Italiano, Italian social movement, a marginal party commanding a far-right 4-5% of the vote for most of the post-war period. Thus, in that summer of 1992, I began the battle that I continue fighting today, she wrote. Now I do so in the halls of Parliament. Then it was in the streets of Rome, with the first initiatives, the first demonstrations, the first leafleting at the schools. Meloni became the local organiser for the youth branch of the Italian social movement, and then head of the student wing of its rebranded successor organisation, the Alianza Nazionale. It was in this role that in 1996, she was caught on camera opining that Mussolini had been a good politician. Everything he did, he did for Italy. A comment she today dismisses as youthful folly. Italy has a deep history of instinctive small-c conservatism, often ascribed to its long centuries of foreign dominance. The French philosopher Guy Debord memorably called the country a laboratory for international counter-revolution. Its fascist years, from 1922 to 1945, refuted that tradition, a surge of radicalism and an embrace of the new that ended in disaster. Post-war Italian politics reverted to the old caution, a republic defined by the stability of mass-movement political parties, primarily the Christian Democrats and the Communists, deeply rooted in civic life, and, alongside them, a dense web of patronage, political appointments and state bureaucracy. In 1992, the year that Maloney went into politics, that world was collapsing. The Soviet Union had disintegrated. The European Union had just ratified the Maastricht Treaty, confirming Italy on the path to the Euro. The political establishment was being brought down by the vast corruption scandal known as Tangentopoli, or Bribesville. And the Italian media landscape was being transformed by the explosion of private television. These changes swept away the post-war political order. The Christian Democrats disbanded. The former communists traded Marx for Jacques Delors, reinventing themselves as the pro-European Democrats, now the Partito Democratico. That the mass movement politics largely disappeared, but the dense bureaucracy built up over the preceding decades remained, defines Italy's peculiar contemporary political landscape. As Natalie Tocci, of the Institute of International Affairs, put it to me over lunch in Rome, this is marked by traits of extreme political fickleness combined with institutional stability. Traits epitomised by the rise and rise of Giorgio Meloni. By the time Meloni was praising Mussolini on camera in 1996, the post-war world of Italian politics had gone. The Christian Democrats' old electoral coalition had fractured in three main directions by the time of the 1994 election. 
Forza Italia, a new party promising economic liberalization, had just been formed by Silvio Berlusconi, the media magnate who had benefited most from the deregulation of Italian television. The Lega Nord, Northern League, was a regionalist voice for northern grievances about control by Rome and wealth transfers to the poorer south. The Alianza Nazionale, where Meloni was cutting her teeth, was a fusion of the neo-fascist Italian social movement with the right of the old Christian Democrats. This tripartite grouping would be the basis of Berlusconi's four coalition governments in the years between 1994 and 2011, and it continues to define the Italian right to this day. In previous decades, dominated by the contest between Christian Democrats, their allies, and communists, ordinary Italians had experienced political power through local party branches, cadres, offices, and events, all operating within the framework of certain ideological principles, however vaguely observed in practice. Berlusconismo largely replaced all of these, with gaudy spectacle, spin doctors, advertising executives, veline, or showgirls, and vacuous national boosterism, television politics, in place of a genuinely participatory mass politics. At a time of rapid technological change, this hollowed-out politics combined with Italy's long-standing institutional inertia and conservatism, meant that Berlusconismo's promised economic revitalization curdled instead into enduring stagnation. The article will continue after the break. For the text version of this article and all our long reads, subscribe to The New Statesman for just £1 a week for 12 weeks using our special podcast offer. Just visit newstatesman.com slash podcast offer. If you're enjoying our audio long reads, you might also like the New Statesman's international news podcast, World Review. Twice a week, the international team unpack the most significant stories in world affairs and interview special guests for their unique perspective and expertise. Get better informed with World Review, available wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yet as the country was sliding backwards, Meloni was on the up. Initially supporting herself by working as a waitress, bartender, and nanny, she was elected to Rome's Metropolitan Council in 1998 and then to the Italian Parliament in 2006 at just 29 as an MP for Lazio, the region around and including Rome. With its historical centralism and ranks of lower middle class clerks, public officials, police officers, and military types, the Italian capital had long been a stronghold for the post-fascist right, which won its mayoralty in 2008, the same year Meloni was appointed Minister for Youth. The following year, the Alianza Nazionale merged with Forza Italia. But then, as the Eurozone crisis peaked in 2011, Berlusconi fell from power, and his party backed his technocratic successor, Mario Monti. That was too much for many old Alianza Nazionale veterans, including Meloni who broke away to form the Brothers of Italy. Post-Berlusconian Italy has epitomised Tocci's maxim about the combination of fickleness and stasis. The country has lurched from one thrusting figurehead to the next. First was Matteo Renzi of the centre-left Democrats, who peaked in 2014. Then came Beppe Grillo and his post-ideological populist five-star movement, which surged to first place and almost 33% of the vote at the 2018 election. Then came Matteo Salvini, who rebranded the Lega Nord as simply the Lega, and reached out beyond its northern strongholds with a sharpened populist image defined by the European migration crisis, and peaked at the European election in June 2019. Why, then, was the Lega subsequently eclipsed by another hard-right party, Meloni's Brothers of Italy? The best explanation for Meloni's rise is Salvini's fall, the author Claudio Terrassa tells me, at the Rome offices of Il Folio, the centrist newspaper he edits. Salvini spent much of the summer of 2019 on a hubristic tour of the country's beach clubs, swilling mojitos and dancing with women in bikinis. Then in August that year, he abruptly ended his party's short-lived coalition with the Five Star Movement, but failed to found a new government of his own. Salvini's growing reputation for unseriousness became particularly damaging in 2020 during the COVID pandemic. In 2021, he took the Lega into a national unity government formed under the technocratic Mario Draghi to oversee the dispersal of the roughly 200 billion euros allocated to Italy by the EU's pandemic recovery fund. More recently, Salvini has been further damaged by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which makes his admiration of Vladimir Putin a political liability. Where Salvini is burly and brash, Meloni is more sober. Where he often talks off the cuff, she is more cautious. Where the Lega joined Draghi's unity government, the Brothers of Italy was the one major party to stay out of it. 
where he was damaged by his flirtations with Moscow, Brothers of Italy, has long been relatively Atlanticist, a product of its predecessor's fierce anti-communism, and through its support behind Draghi's weapons exports to Kiev. Meloni has also been fortunate in her rivals to the left. In the words of Lorenzo Marsili, a progressive philosopher, blame the non-right for what is going to happen. They have created the highway for Meloni. He has a point. Other parties, from the Five Star Movement to the centre-left Democratic Party, as well as a new centrist bloc and various assorted Greens and radical left parties, have failed to forge a pact rivaling that of the Brothers of Italy, Lega and Forza. At the time of recording, a new Italian grand coalition after the election of the 25th of September seemed possible but unlikely. Much more likely was a government of that tripartite right, with Meloni either as prime minister herself or as the string puller of a loyalist prime minister. That possibility begs the question, precisely how post is the Brothers of Italy's post-fascism? After all, its predecessor, the Italian social movement, was founded by figures who served under Mussolini, and the party remains a natural home for those nostalgic for the 1920s and 1930s. It recently transpired, for example, that the Brothers of Italy state premier of the central Le Marche region, Francesco Acquaroli, had attended a dinner commemorating Mussolini's 1922 March on Rome. But, Countess Marsili, it is incorrect to talk about fascism. Meloni is closer to the US Republicans on things like abortion and migration. It just shows the convergence between the far right and the conservative mainstream. Tocci also points out that the actual fascist vote in Italy is still the old 4% that the Italian social movement always got. The new Brothers of Italy voters will come from the Five Star Movement and the Lega. And yet it would be too generous to dismiss the link entirely. Brothers of Italy does bear certain family resemblances to Italian fascism. Tocci perceives them in, for example, the party's fetishization of what she calls a homogenous, sporting, useful, healthy society. She highlights Meloni's argument that youth deviations a catch-all reference to everything from gangs and social withdrawal to drug addiction, anorexia and gambling, can be solved by greater participation in sport. An attraction to conspiracy theories is another such resemblance. The historian David Broder, author of the aptly titled forthcoming book Mussolini's Grandchildren, Fascism in Contemporary Italy, has documented examples of Meloni and other Brothers of Italy figures evoking the Great Replacement conspiracy theory about a secret plan to replace native Europeans with migrants, including her reference to the project of ethnic substitution of European citizens desired by big capital and international speculators. As Terasa puts it, she's not fascist, but she uses words and expressions that appeal to fans of that conspiracist culture. A Maloney-led government may not last long. It would inherit an economy with debt at 135% of GDP, in rapid demographic decline, scarred by decades of economic stagnation and now a cost of living crisis. Apart from a few old timers who served under Berlusconi in the late 2000s, her party has no experience of national government. The markets and the EU 
which together have brought down past Italian governments, are watching closely. And Meloni has few natural allies in Europe. For his part, Salvini will certainly take any opportunity he can to reclaim his place as the doyen of the Italian right, especially ahead of the 2024 European election. So there are reasons to believe that she will not have the time or political capital to, say, weaken Italy's civil rights regime, which is poor by Western European standards in any case, and that like Renzi, Grillo and Salvini before her, she will enjoy merely a short burst of popularity before someone or something else eclipses her. Yet it would also be a mistake to blithely assume this much. Giorgia Meloni recognises the risks posed by the markets and has sought to head these off by committing to fiscal orthodoxy. She even travelled to London in early September to meet city investors and present herself as a stable leader. Her support for Ukraine may well prove a bridge to the European establishment. And her caution could give her greater longevity than some of her predecessors. Teresa Coratella of the European Council on Foreign Relations says she knows she only has one shot at her major ambition, to become leader of a new kind of conservatism in Europe. This is neither probable nor entirely unrealistic. Italy's peculiar combination of a party political vacuum and institutional sclerosis has long made it a forerunner of trends in an ageing, increasingly politically fragmented West. From Brexit and Trumpism to this year's record election results for France's Marine Le Pen and the far-right Sweden Democrats. My base case is that this right-wing government will last five years, says a gloomy Marsili. By the standards of Italy's vociferous politics, that would be a long spell one long enough to enact substantial change. So it is worth asking what that change would look like. It's clear from moments like her speech in Turin that Meloni would ideally like to make the Italian constitution more presidential, tilting power away from Italy's chaotic parliament to create a stronger executive. Economically, she wants to fuse market orthodoxy with elements of protectionism. And in an ageing and already conservative country, she wants new natalist policies, incentivising childbearing and making abortions and the lives of migrants and LGBT people yet more difficult. That is a grim and backwards prospect. And yet surveying the wider Western right, from the US Republicans to a French right dominated by Le Pen, a Spanish right increasingly close to radical nationalism, and a German right also flirting with more outspoken conservatism, it may well be a sign of things to come. If so, Debord will be proven correct once again in his assessment of Italy as the eternal laboratory of counter-revolution. As Cerasa put it to me in his office in Rome, when we look at Italy today, we're looking at Europe tomorrow. The Making and Meaning of Giorgia Meloni was written and read by Jeremy Cliff. This episode was produced by Hugh Smiley, May Robson and Adrian Bradley. The commissioning editor was Megan Gibson, the features editor is Melissa Deans and the executive producer Chris Stone. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to like, subscribe and rate the show. 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hey, welcome to the Next Wave podcast. Consider us your chief AI officer in your business. My name is Matt Wolf. I have the number one YouTube channel in the AI space. I also run futuretools.com and I'm joined by my co-host, Nathan Lands, founder of lore.com. We want to bring you the latest AI news and trends, show you how you can use AI in your business and personal life and help make it super easy for you to understand and execute. We're going to equip you with the knowledge to thrive in this upcoming wave of change. 